This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pass the war quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air. Picked off. Brian Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. The punter to beat. And the punter brings him down. Brayton Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. I'm your host, Ben Blessington, with Michael Nania. Michael, how you doing, man? We have another head coaching candidate profile. This one, a bit under the radar. Greg Roman, who hasn't gotten a lot of buzz as of late, was more of a candidate at the beginning of the season. But now with the Jets in position to draft Justin Fields at two, I felt like it was important uh, to bring somebody on and, and talk about Greg as a potential candidate. Uh, at this moment in time we're recording, he hasn't been requested to be interviewed, but that could change. Michael, what are your thoughts on, on Greg Roman as a candidate? I know he's probably not your, your favorite guy, but when you look at the personnel that the Jets might have, uh, particularly at that quarterback position, there's not a single guy in the NFL better at developing mobile quarterbacks than Greg Roman. Yeah, like you said, I think even though he's under the radar right now, hasn't uh, been requested to be interviewed by any team. And even though it, it seemed like he might be based on the work he's done, uh, he's a solid under the radar candidate, not one of my favorites. But like you said, I think especially now with Justin Fields potentially being in the mix for the Jets, maybe Trey Lance in a trade down, who knows? Um, it, it's definitely worth taking a look at Roman, who is known for probably being one of the best coaches in the league at working with mobile quarterbacks. And it's not just Justin Fields. He does have a connection to Joe Douglas, as you heard earlier today in our, our Don Martindale podcast. The speculation has been that Joe Douglas is going to look to his roots and Baltimore is a team between Roman and Martindale that has two guys who could very easily be head coaches in this league that both have connections to Joe Douglas. We'll make sure to talk a little bit about Wink Martindale in this podcast, but this is going to be the Greg Roman focused uh, podcast. We figured who else to bring on, but at Ravens numbers, Brent, thank you so much for, for coming on our podcast and breaking down some Greg Roman, a, a touch of, of Wink Martindale. Um, but how are you doing, man? Uh, it's good to be here, guys. There's a lot going on in the world today, but I'm happy to kind of take a break from it and step away and get to talk some Ravens football. Yeah, or most some Jets football, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I, it's honestly, it's going to be a lot of Ravens football because it is the Greg Roman show. Uh, at least this podcast episode is. People who know Greg Roman, probably that maybe not too in depth. They know him as the the offensive coordinator for the mobile quarterback. I mean, he's had success with Colin Kaepernick. He's had success with Tyra Taylor. And his, his superstar, Lamar Jackson, I guess kind of just talk about his offensive philosophies. I mean, his his offenses have always been a, revolved around mobile quarterbacks. Is he pigeonholed into running that type of offense? Is that 
the the only type of offense that Greg Roman can can run. Um, let's say the Jets were to decide not to take Justin Fields, they were going to keep Sam Darnold. Would he not be able to run his full offense? I mean, who is Greg Roman as an offensive coordinator? So, I, I mean, that's the big question. So, what you just hit on is going to be the difference between whether Greg Roman ever gets a head coaching job in the NFL is can he sit in the interview and answer the question from owners, from team presidents, uh, as to whether or not he actually has the ability to craft an offense that doesn't involve a mobile quarterback because not every team has Lamar Jackson, not every team has Kyler Murray, not every team has a guy who can just step right in and run this like read option that uh, Roman has, has been so successful at implementing in the NFL. I think that a little bit of it though is almost unfair because Roman's a guy who gets his first opportunity calling plays actually in high school. So he's an NFL coach uh, with the Ravens, funnily enough, in 06, 07. And when Bashadi decides that he's not going to keep Billick anymore, he decides he's going to go with new coaching staff. One of the meetings that he has is with Roman as an exit meeting. And Roman says, you know, I want to find a place where I can start to call plays. Like, that's a thing that I want to do. And Bashadi says, look, pal. Um, you might have to leave the NFL to do that because you got nothing on your resume that would indicate that you're able to. And to his credit, Roman's like, okay, I'll do it. Uh, and he actually goes back to his high school and he starts calling plays there and he stays there for a year and they're really successful. Um, and he, he really dives into like this world of, I'm going to study all these run schemes. I'm going to find every kind of run scheme from everywhere and see if I can put them into, uh, into these packages and be successful with it. And he was. Um, and he gets noticed by Jim Harbaugh, goes out to Stanford with him. They're very successful there. And then he goes to San Francisco with Harbaugh as his offensive coordinator. And in their first year, uh, so this is kind of, I tell that story to say this, to make this point. He has had one year where he didn't exclusively have a mobile quarterback. And that was his first year calling plays in San Francisco with Alex Smith. And they actually were, they were top 10, it was either 10 or 11 uh, in points per game that year. They were very successful. Um, Smith had a career year. The next year, Smith starts the first eight games. I think he has a quarterback rating that's like second or third in the league. So he's very successful again. Um, but then after that, Smith gets hurt, right? And so he's got this opportunity with Kaepernick. And from there on out, he has never been paired with a quarterback who isn't mobile. So he finishes his career calling plays for San Francisco. He's with Kaepernick for a few years. They have Really good success, like really good success for three years. Um, the fourth year, not so much. He ends up uh, leaving the staff. And then the next place that he's hired is, is with Buffalo. And their quarterback position is, is Tyrod Taylor. And what else is he going to do but try to implement this running offense? I mean, that was the only strength that I think it's fair to say that Taylor had is, is that he was mobile. He's, he's good on his feet. Um, so Roman hasn't really had an opportunity to sort of stretch his legs as a coordinator without a running quarterback. Uh, and as I said, sort of at the beginning of, of this, this little story, he, that's the question he's going to have to answer in these interviews is what does your offense look like when you don't have a guy who runs a four, four at quarterback? Yeah. I think one of the reasons that, that Roman is attractive, uh, is because of what we've seen the jets do to Sam Darnold over the last three years. And when you look at some of the other successes, specifically Lamar Jackson or even Josh Allen and Buffalo is that they surrounded their young quarterback with not just talent, um, but really a system and an organization that supports them. And if Joe Douglas is in love with Justin Fields, which after that college football playoff game, he might very well be, and he might already know that Fields is going to be his QB. 
Roman is attractive in the sense that you can get a guy for fields that is seemingly a match made in heaven. Um, what are some of the things that he does to help these young mobile quarterbacks? We talked about Kaepernick, Taylor, uh, and, and Lamar Jackson. But if you were to get his guy, his hands on a guy like Fields, what are the, some of the things that you'd expect him to do for a young mobile quarterback like you saw him do in Baltimore? That's a, I mean, that's a great point by you. And that's the really interesting question is I actually wanted to ask you guys about your thoughts on Justin Fields because he's sort of the wild card. Um, he's the guy that maybe makes Roman a, a good and notable candidate for you. Um, but he, so let's, let's go back to 2018. Uh, and Roman's hired back to the Ravens in 2017. And then 2018 is Lamar Jackson's rookie year. The Ravens are four and, a, or four and five, I'm sorry, heading into their bye week. And they decide to make a change at quarterback. They go from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. And in those two weeks, in this, this two-week period, they reinvented this entire offense. They went from an offense where, I mean, you guys are familiar. You just watched the, several games of Joe Flacco. Not a super mobile guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank it was you for, for taking. <laughs> no, I appreciate you. we we love him in Baltimore. We appreciate you taking care of him. Uh, <laughs> and I tell you what, actually, some of the funnest moments of this year were him getting into Jets games and watching Ravens Twitter explode with excitement. <laughs> but uh, so he's not the most mobile guy. But they they redesigned an entire offense within that two week period, and they went six and one down the stretch in 2018. They ran for 200 yards a game. They were running all over the league. They make the playoffs and then they get just stifled, stymied by the Chargers. They, they shut down the run game and Roman, who was the guy who was instrumental in crafting that run game, he was the run game coordinator for the year. He, to his credit, could have said like, listen, we were six and one down the stretch. Chargers had a top flight defense. Like this kind of stuff happens. We had the youngest quarterback ever to start a playoff game. Makes sense that maybe he had some difficulties. We're going to stick with this, but he, he didn't, he, um, over the offseason, he was very upfront where he said, I'm going to bring all of my coaches into the room and we're going to sit down and we're going to start from, from ground zero. We're going to throw the playbook out and I want them to imagine with me an offense, if we could, where we have no rules, uh, where we have nothing to, to start with. We have no foundation and we're going to build it from there. He scoured like this guy. He is, he's a run game genius. He really is. Um, and they, and, and he studied high school studies, college film. He went all across the country, just sort of finding these plays to build this playbook that was tailored to Lamar Jackson's skill set. And I think we saw last year, it was just a revelation um, kind of swept across the league. So he is, he is very in tune with the importance of trying to build an offense that fits the skills of the players who have the balls the ball in their hands the most. And I think that's what his best skill set is really. And, and say Greg Roman does get the chance to come to New York and coach Justin Fields or even Trey Lance or wherever he goes, he gets another chance to coach a mobile quarterback. And what type of players outside that quarterback position does he need to build an offense that works for these quarterbacks? We've seen in Baltimore, they've just done such a great job building that infrastructure around Lamar Jackson. So what type of players are so essential to have in that offense uh, to be able to support a quarterback like him? So you need some pooling guards. You need guards that can pull block, um, get to the next level, and especially the run pools. They have they had Marshall Yonda last year, who was just out of this world, one of the, the best guards of all time, really. And Bradley Bozeman's done a good job with that this year, kind of as a, as a young player who's learning that role. So you need that. 
You also need tight ends. He, he loves his tight ends. Last year we had a trio of um, Andrews and Boyle and, and Hurst, all guys who uh, could, could catch uh, to some degree, but really could block. Uh, and we've actually seen him be really creative this year. So I, I, do, I do think it's important to point out with, with Greg Roman that he's not sort of married to a specific kind of player that he needs to put with a guy like Jackson. Like, of course, he wants a good offensive line. Every team wants a good offensive line. But we have a bottom five receiving core right now, uh, and he's still making it work with them. And then this year, we've had some really serious injuries. Like, so we traded away Hayden Hurst. Uh, at the beginning of the year. So we lost one of those tight ends, Nick Boyle, who um, I know a lot of people have probably heard of Mark Andrews. He's a great receiving threat, but Boyle actually outsnaps Andrews on this offense due to his blocking versatility. And so they lose Boyle, who is just sort of like the guy who moves around, who throws blocks. He's sometimes in the backfield. Um, and the offense was really out of crossroads. And he's just done a tremendous job of putting uh, fullbacks in, extra offensive linemen. He's changed different uh, to different personnel groupings. He's putting two running backs on the field at the same time. So tight ends would definitely be key. Um, as I mentioned, the offensive line, but who doesn't want an offensive line? And then multiple backs. Um, the skill set of the back, I don't think is quite as important as having multiple backs who are just effective in some kind of way. And then we've talked about some of the concerns with Roman, obviously the biggest one being, can he be more than just a mobile quarterback guy in terms of his offense? That's the biggest one. But in terms of the positives of why he could become a head coach, in addition to all the work he's done uh, building these successful offenses with mobile quarterbacks, what else is there to Greg Roman that you think could make him a good head coaching candidate? He's been described by players as football and family. Um, Pat Ricard, who is our, our great fullback, um, he called Roman a father figure. And, and that's, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, that is not an uncommon refrain sort of in the Ravens locker room is to describe him as a guy who just really cares about his players and really cares about molding men. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr., I think, had another great coach or great quote where he said, you know, I feel like if I, I ran into Roman in the grocery store, he'd ask me about my blocking assignment and then he'd ask me about my family. So <laughs> He just kind of connects with players on that football level, but um, family is, is sort of an organizational kind of thing with the Ravens. Like they, they are, are very much into bringing in coaches who fit that, um, who have that idea that, it, that, that family is key and that sort of molding men comes above molding players. And if you can mold men, then you got a really good shot at having them follow you on a football field. And so Greg Roman's that kind of guy. He's also, he's like wicked smart. I mean, <laughs> I know I mentioned it before, before. He, he's very, very smart. He, um, people kind of, I think who don't watch a lot of Ravens football are quick to be like, you know, it's, it's just sort of like the zone read. They do the one kind of run and Lamar is really good, but it, it's not that. And to hear Roman talk about this offense, um, they have runs, as he, he tells it, in eight different categories. Um, so, so this is kind of his list, um, not mine, but he says we've got, we've got gap schemes, power schemes, counters. We've got zone, tight zone, wide zone, misdirection, quarterback-driven, perimeter stuff, sweeps, and they really do. They have all of that. And it's sort of his belief that the more clubs you can have in the golf bag, um, the more likely you be, are to be prepared when you're playing the hole. 
Uh, and he said that over and over again. So he likes to have all of those different types of runs, likes to have play action out of all of those. Marshall Hyanda actually said he's got the thickest playbook by far of any coach I've ever had. Um, so, so he's just sort of like this run game mad scientist. Uh, and he, he will never be unprepared. Right. He definitely sounds like the perfect offense coordinator for what Baltimore is trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. But there are some, some exciting traits to, to make him that head coach. We talk about family because Joe Douglas has been all about uh, who you might know because as a, as a longtime Raven scout sure. has been all about trying to build that culture. And I, I would imagine he's trying to be trying to emulate some of the stuff he learned under Ozzie Newsome about family and molding men instead of molding players. But the other thing, and this is something we've asked every single one, uh, this is something we've asked during every single one of these head coaching candidate profiles, is can they be the CEO type of head coach? I mean, that's just been the one consistent question through all these, because it's something that's been hammered home from Chris Johnson, the owner, from Joe Douglas, the, the GM, the players, the fans, the beat writers. It's been that the Jets have not had a guy who, like a Harbaugh, has, could stand in front of the team and address all 53 of them where he can delegate some of the offense and defensive responsibilities, but still be involved in the everyday um, and, and the nitty gritty of, of a football team. Do you think Greg Roman could be that CEO type of head coach, that leader of men, or do you think he's going to be more in the Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan mold of he's going to run the offense. He's going to be the head coach, but he's going to call his plays and he's going to hire somebody to be his defensive coordinator. And, you know, he may have some input on the defense, but he's the offensive coordinator that's just, you know, head coaching number one instead of the, the head coach of the, the entire team. I think he cares a lot about culture. Uh, and so I know that doesn't fully answer your question of whether I think he can be the CEO, but I think he cares about that stuff. So I think, I think that's on his mind. And I think that as head coach, it would be something that would be a priority for him is, is to try to is to try to be the CEO type, try to follow that hardball mode mold, as you said. He, um, his guys really like to play for him. Um, they really do, and they respect him. And you know, I think I think what might be telling for me as far as sort of figuring out if, if he could do that is his players often say like, "I've never heard Greg raise his voice. I've never heard Coach Roman raise his voice at anybody." And you know, you think football guy, you think like I'm on the field, you think I'm yelling, you know, I'm trying to sell, tell my players where to be, but he has been able to command their respect with, without sort of having to, um, having to come in with bluster and bravado. And I think he, the way that you do that is you sort of practice what you preach and you sort of set up this culture of accountability and culture of caring and, and building the team first. And so I think that would be that would be something that would be on his mind. Um, I, I'm rooting for him. I hope that he can do it. I hope if he goes somewhere, he has that ability. Uh, and I think that he will care a lot about trying to do it. And so I, I think one of the biggest things too, with any head coach is the ability to develop talent. And we talked about what Roman could do with his quarterbacks, but it's about the entire offense as well, just beyond that quarterback position. So who do you think are some of the best examples on that Ravens offense during his tenure there uh, of young players that he's been able to develop and get the most out of? So I'll go back to Pat Ricard. Uh, Pat Ricard, the fullback, was a defensive tackle at Maine in college and came in and Greg Roman saw a guy who could help him on offense and, and molded him into a fullback. And he's now one of the most important chess pieces in the Roman offense. 
Lamar Jackson. So that's an interesting one. A lot of people will credit Josh Harris, who's his personal quarterback coach. A lot of people want to go to James Urban. A lot of people go to Harbaugh. Um, but it was Lamar Jackson who sat at a press conference last January before the Ravens played their playoff game and, and said, hey, listen to the 31 other teams in the NFL. Please chill out on Greg Roman. Like, I don't want him to go anywhere, basically. Uh, and so to put him in positions to be able to succeed, uh, where if you looked at the way he kind of threw the football in 2018 under the Marty Morningwig offense, and then the position he was in in 2019, it's like we've never seen any kind of development like that. Uh, and that, that comes from, I think, it starts got to with the offensive coordinator. Um, I'd also, I'd point to all, all of the tight ends, um, particularly Mark Andrews, and then especially Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle was a guy who kind of fell a little bit like in and out of coach's favor before Roman was there. He actually was suspended at, at some point for um, violating the league's performance enhancing drugs policy. And he was, he was just not very good to, to be blunt. Uh, he wasn't producing catches. He wasn't a super great blocking tight end and just Roman found a way to use him. And he also became sort of this pivotal guy that Roman can do a lot of things with. And even though he doesn't always have the ball in, in his hands, he's one of the key cogs that makes the machine work. And so when you think of particular moments in games, whether it's an adjustment during a game uh, or, or just particular moments in which you looked at something Greg Roman did and thought, that guy can be a head coach. And again, it could be an adjustment he made during a game, a game plan going into one, uh, something, a particular moment with the player, uh, something where you looked at what Roman did and thought that he can be a head coach. A couple. One, I mentioned the, the 2018, sort of the bi-week rebuild, where they just totally were able to somehow build the airplane while they were trying to fly it. Uh, and they were, were successful. And then the, that offseason sort of like offensive reboot that he decided to do after that, I think is, is another telling thing. But I also like he's gotten, I don't know what the perception is outside of Baltimore, but he's been a little bit maligned this year because, you know, the Ravens finished seventh, I think, in scoring offense. Uh, and even though they rushed for 3,000 yards again, which is just absurd, uh, some of the fans are like, you know, the passing game maybe hasn't developed. There was some criticism of him this year, but I actually – I think he's done a pretty good job. They lost two all pro linemen, uh, one of them before the season, one of them during the season. They lost their, uh, their, their top tight end, who's just hugely important in this scheme. Mark uh, Ingram turned out not to be the guy that he was last year. And then sort of as this COVID situation was raining down on the Ravens in November, he somehow came up with this mid-season adjustment where he's running basically – kind of they're calling it a quarter QB bash counter bash where uh, I think last year you saw a lot of design Lamar runs to the outside running back up the middle and they've sort of inverted that and now it's sort of the running back to the boundary with Lamar hitting holes up the middle and they implement that and uh, since November 1st I think it is uh, the Ravens rushing attack if you look at their their total yards rushed for um, just since November 1st, they've outrushed 24 NFL teams for the season. They, they'd finish eighth in the league. And I imagine the Jets are on that list. The Jets are definitely on that <laughs> list. Um, but, but he, so he's got this ability uh, in games, you know, in games, that's, I think, maybe perhaps less of a strength for him than it is for Wink. Uh, but certainly, like, 
in terms of looking at something during the year and recognizing, hey, maybe this isn't working. Is there something else? He's, he's demonstrated an ability to do that every season that he's been a coordinator for the Ravens. And certainly another huge part of it being a head coach is the staff that he can build. And Greg Roman has been in the NFL for a while, been a lot of different places. What type of staff do you think he could be, he could build, uh, particularly on the defensive side? I mean, that's a big question. Do you think he would try to steal a Baltimore assistant or do you think he'd try to go with more of an established guy? And do you think he would, you know, call the plays and, and so just kind of hire a, you know, Jets fans will, sh- you know, shudder when I say this, but Adam Gase had his Dowell Loggins, who was basically just kind of a clip hole, clipboard holder, helped him with the game plans. But Adam Gase called the plays. Do you think that's something that Greg Rome would do, where he'd bring in a buddy who could kind of just do the game plans and he would call the plays? I think defensively, uh, and this is this is speculation, as as you said, uh, Chris Hewitt might be a name to watch. He's the Ravens' defensive backs coach, uh, and and he's really well liked and. Uh, he's done just a great job in Baltimore. And I actually think that if Wink ends up somewhere, Chris Hewitt's a, the guy who maybe gets the the headset next in Baltimore on the defensive side. And I think he would do a great job. Offensively, that, that's a tougher one because I like I have to imagine that if Greg Roman leaves uh, to go somewhere else, and so a name like James Urban, who is the Ravens, um, he's the passing game guy. Uh, a name like James Urban maybe comes up as someone who he wants to bring with him. But if you're James Urban, aren't you saying to yourself, this is my chance to get the keys to the Lamar Jackson offense. And then maybe I can be a coach somewhere. And so I think it's really difficult to imagine him coaching Ravens coaches who feel like, you know, I'm about to step up into this role where I've got this kind of humming offense and maybe get my chance to call plays. So I I know Jets fans probably don't want to hear this, but you maybe look outside of, um, outside of of the Ravens organization and he's probably looking at a guy who maybe does come in and does that like clipboard holder type of thing I mean it could work it's worked in other places I just think as long as uh as it's not the Dow I mean I I don't think it could be worse than Dow Loggins and Adam Gay so I think it's only up from here um as far as your pitch for why Greg Roman should be a head coach because I think that he was a name particularly in the Jets first with the whole Joe Douglas connection that was pretty popular at the beginning of the season, he made a lot of sense. I think I think we mentioned him on this podcast a year ago, just literally because of the Joe Douglas connection. And I think you said he, he kind of cooled off a little bit this season, but I agree with you. I mean, his some of his offensive stats this year, even in a quote unquote down year, are, are still insane. Um, and you know, I could still I could see him getting an interview with the Jets, especially given their um, proximity to Justin Fields. Uh, I mentioned another one of these that even if you bring in a guy for, for an interview, you don't have to hire them. You just get to hear their thoughts on, on your team, your organization, some of your players. So it might be beneficial to have a guy like Greg Roman come in, interview, talk to him about Justin Fields, see what he would do. And then you don't even have to hire him. But I think he, he if he did get in the, the, the building and was given an interview, I do think he had some qualities that could really impress. So if you were Greg Roman's agent and you were on the phone with Joe Douglas or you're talking to Christopher Johnson, the owner, or you're even talking to Jets fans. What is your pitch? Why would Greg Roman be the right guy to transform this Jets culture, to go to the biggest media market in the entire league uh, and to turn around some historic losers into a, a winning franchise like, like the Baltimore Ravens? Well, so first of all, my pitch it's a, be, that was a low, that was a loaded question, but it was, it, it would be, don't hire him, let him stay in Baltimore. Um, <laughs> no, uh, he is, he's a good guy. He's 
a smart guy. He has, he absolutely has the right priorities in team building. He cares about the right things. Um, so you, you just had Adam Gase, who I, I'm sure that you've covered just the comedy of errors that is Adam Gase very fully on this podcast. But Greg, Greg Roman understands what goes into winning football. He understands what it takes from a culture standpoint. He understands what it takes from an effort standpoint. He's bet on himself every step of the way. He entered the league in 1995 as an unpaid strength coach with the Carolina Panthers. And everywhere he's gone, he's worked his way into higher positions of power, higher positions of responsibility, and he's really succeeded. Um, when he had it, an opportunity, uh, perhaps to go somewhere else in the NFL back in 2007, he took the opportunity to go somewhere and call plays, and I was at high school. And he worked his way back up the ladder once again. And for me, the fit that Greg Roman potentially has with the Jets would be that he could really unlock a guy like a Justin Fields. And if that's where you feel like your franchise is going, uh, he has demonstrated just this unreal ability to take quarterbacks that have that, that leg, that running ability, that, that special talent with their legs. And at a very young age, Lamar Jackson was 21 when he entered the league. Um, he's, he's 23 right now still. Colin Kaepernick was, was incredibly young. He gets guys to playoffs, uh, to playoff games and, and, and conference championships and MVP awards within their first year or two of football. Uh, and if you're looking for a quick turnaround, if you're the Jets and you've got your eyes on a guy like Fields and you're like, hey, man, this AFC East has the Bills and the Dolphins and we want to be competitive quick and it's going to be tough. We got to get a special dude and we got to get a special coordinator for him um, who, who's going to be now a coach with him. I think Roman is your high ceiling candidate. Yeah, Roman definitely has a lot to bring to the table, and I, I would expect him to get requested for an interview at some point. I know you guys probably hope not, but I do think, especially based on what you said, he deserves that chance. And even if it's not this year, one day he should get it. But another guy on that Raven staff who we've already talked about on this podcast is Don Martindale, and who I think is definitely another guy who deserves a shot to be a head coach and might be a more likely to get it this year. So uh, just briefly your thoughts on him, what you think of him potentially becoming a head coach this year? He, he just, I think the world of him, I think he's a great defensive coach. I think the numbers uh, speak for themselves. Jamison Hensley had a tweet on that the other day. Um, he took over in 2018 as defensive coordinator. And since then the Ravens have been first in yards, uh, allowed per game first and points allowed they've been first in touchdowns allowed and they're first in touchdown scored so all over defensive um dominance but at the same time they've had 42 different 42 different defensive starters in the last three years and that doesn't count um a guy like marlon humphrey who's been a starter all three years that he counts as one of those guys so 42 different dudes that he's plugging in that are just able to sort of adapt to his system uh, but more importantly, I think he fits a lot of what you were talking about with that sort of CEO ability. Um, he does sort of like head coachy things uh, and he does them well and the players buy into him. Uh, for example, like this off season, he, he kind of did this um, chasing greatness zoom series, he called it, which sounds like super corny and super hokey. And he brings in these speakers to talk to the it players. It sounds like a like, segment on our podcast is what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. It's, it's that, but it, so it had, it's, it's, 
it's catchy, but it's one of those things that has like this ability in, in the wrong hands for players to like groan and roll their eyes. And it's like, okay, we're chasing greatness. Like I'm watching this dude on zoom, but the players <laughs> like ate it up. They honestly loved it. Um, they, they were like clapping it up for different um, speakers that he brought in. They love the dude. He's such a player's coach in the best way. Um, not in the way that you think of where he's easy on players, but just in the accountability way. Uh, and, and they absolutely will, will just, they go to bat for him every time. Um, CJ Mosley, yeah. a guy that we love that I know you guys haven't had sort of the best experience with yet, but he was great for uh, three quarters. He was great for, three he quarters. was, he was great for three quarters. Um, but I remember when the Ravens moved on from their previous defensive coordinator and, and before uh, before they announced a hire and before they were bringing in candidates, CJ Mosley was like our linebacker. It's Wink. Like you have got to hire this guy and was openly campaigning for him. And he's, he's kind of had that effect on guys um, where they just love to follow him. All right. Well, that was, they certainly sold me on, on Wink Martindale. I'm surprised that neither him or Roman have been requested yet, but potentially by the time you're listening to this, uh, this is being recorded on Wednesday night. So there's a chance that one or both these guys have been requested. Let us know what you think. Tweet us at CYJ pod. Uh, what are your thoughts on pairing Justin Fields with Greg Roman? Obviously, what are your thoughts on Wink Martindale? I think that was a pretty convincing uh, pitch right there from, from Brent. Uh, Brent, obviously, uh, you don't cover the Jets, but I think that you do have some a lot of interesting stuff. I was looking through your Twitter. Just let our listeners know where they can follow you. And, and if the Jets do end up hiring either Greg or, or Wink, we'll certainly look to have you back on and break down kind of the X's and O's of these guys. But just thank you so much for taking time out of, out of, our, out of your day. And, and where can our listeners find you? Sure. Thanks. And I love what you guys are doing, too. These, um, I, I've listened to a couple of these profiles, and they're just great. I'm learning so much about all these different coaches around the league. But um, you guys can follow me at Ravens Numbers. You can find me over at filmstudybaltimore.com. Um, I do a lot of data visualizations. Uh, you can check out my Lamar Jackson gallery. It's sort of all these different passing charts on him. Um, and then, yeah, just just tweet me with anything cool that you see that's uh, that's chart-related, graph-related, data-related. I love that stuff. I think So I think you and Michael might become best yeah, friends. Yeah, I, I think I can get him on board with that. That's awesome. pretty much what Michael's famous for is just all his <laughs> analytics and stuff. So I think, That's I think cool. you two have, have much to discuss. Maybe one day when the jets are a good enough team, the Ravens and, and jets might have a playoff game and you guys can, can go back and forth and have a war of, of numbers and analytics, because yeah. I think that would Here's be pretty, that. pretty interesting. Um, and, we, said, and we appreciate the feedback on the, the series too. We're yeah. having so much fun with it. It's, it's, it's been really cool to hear so many different voices on these guys, including yours. And you were so fantastic. Yeah, I feel like everybody we've had on, I've been really impressed with. And and Brent, you were awesome. Uh, you know, I think at the beginning, I was like, oh, should we do Greg Roman? I don't know. Is he is he going to be a serious candidate? We liked him at the beginning. But then we were like, well, they might get Justin Fields. So it'd be interesting to kind of hear from a, from a Greg Roman perspective. And you were, you were terrific. Again, thank you for taking time out of your day. Um, but yeah, listeners, let us know what you think about Greg Roman and Wink Martindale. Tweet us at CYJ Pod. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out at JetsXFactor.com. Greg Roman, ladies and gentlemen, could the Jets build a Roman empire around Justin Fields? Thanks for the tagline.
saved a touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims. 